Joshua chapter 1. I'm not going to start a series for a couple of weeks, but uh, so I I wanted to kind of go this direction this morning. My message, as you can see, is entitled Strong and Courageous. Strong and Courageous. Very familiar passage of Scripture, one of my favorite books in the Bible. Seriously, it it really is. Uh, I say that every week, but it really is. I love the story of Joshua. Uh, Beginning verse number 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place, notice that, every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses. From the wilderness, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, as you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have, notice what he said, good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. May the Lord add his blessing to his word this morning. I want to spend a little bit of time this morning talking about revival. If you've been here over the last couple of years, one of the things that we've been praying, especially post-COVID, uh, we've been praying for revival. We, we've been praying it. They were praying it when we were doing our uh, fresh, prayer, fresh prayer on, Friday, on th- Tuesday night. I can't even talk. Uh, fresh fire prayer that, uh, on Tuesday night. And we pray for it in our praying with the pastor on Tuesday mornings from 9 to 10. Uh, we've been praying for revival. One of the things about revival, it seems like to me the idea of revival is a universal cry among most believers these days. I, I did a little bit of looking online today just to get an idea of the culture in Christendom, particularly in the West, and, and it seems like online there is a call for revival being echoed across denominations, across churches, across Christendom. Now, when I talk about revival, I understand that when you, when you use the term revival, it creates different images in people's minds. Even right now when I said it, some of you had flashbacks to revivals of previous generations, and some of you uh, may have had flashbacks to maybe things that you've seen on television, but revival, the term revival, brings a lot of different imagery to our mind. Um, Some people see revival as an emotional campaign where you have various manifestations that are witnessed within the body. Um, You know, we used to talk about uh, we used to talk about running the building. Anybody, uh, again, if you've been around any length of time, you've heard these terms. We've talked about running the building, swinging from chandeliers, falling under the power of God, uh, other things like that. Um, I, you know, I've been part of services like that. I, I've seen the Holy Spirit touch people where they live, and I enjoy that. But revival is not about an emotional stimulation. 
I, I think that, again, I want to just be sure that we understand this morning. It's not about, I was telling the early service, I rem, some of you might remember many years ago when Pop Irwin was part of our church family before he passed on. And, and Pop Irwin was uh, just a little old man that uh, used to run a, uh, a uh, service station in Joshua. And Pop would always sit right over in this area here. But now, this was back in the day when we had pews, so, so that's a long time ago. But anyway, he would sit right over here on this, on this end, and Pop had this thing that when, when, when he just felt the Spirit of God touch him, he would, he would take off and run. But because he was old, he couldn't run around the building, he'd run around the section. And he'd get winded about the time he got back. Now, and, and, and the thing about it is, you know, he was filled with the joy of the Lord and the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, he had to do something. And so he'd run around that center section there. And the thing was, if you got in his way, he would plow you over. I mean, I mean, this guy was, he was something else. I mean, he brought so much joy to our lives and to this church. And, 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 but he had this one thing that he did. And if he hugged you, I, I'm telling you, there's nobody that could hug you like Pop Irwin could. Because that guy would grab hold of you, and then he, then he, would, he would beat you. I, I mean, if you were choking, you want Pop Irwin around. Because he's going to dislodge everything. I mean, he might even dislodge a lung. I mean, this guy just beats you on the back. And, and again, he didn't mean anything by it. He was just overjoyed. I remember Sheila, when she had her first stroke many, many years ago, uh, her first Sunday back to church, Pop saw her coming in the building back there. And I will never forget this because it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. Pop gets all excited to see Sheila walk in that building. And at that time, she was walking on a walker. She was not in a wheelchair as she is now, but... She was walking on a walker, and Pop saw her and took off running, and his wife grabs hold of him and says, don't you beat on that woman. <laughs> I thought that was the funniest thing. That guy was just filled with the joy of the Lord, and, you know, I've been in part of, I've been in part of services like that. I enjoy seeing God, the, 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 the infinite God, touch finite beings. or the, I, there, There's something about it. John, writing in Revelation chapter 1, said, when I turned to see who it was speaking, the Bible says, John said, when I saw him, remember what he did? He said, I fell at his feet like a dead man. I mean, that guy was overwhelmed with the supernatural uh, by seeing and being in the presence of Jesus. So, so it's a wonderful thing, but here's what I want to say. Revival, however, is not about emotionalism. Revival is about living again. That's what revival is. It's not about running about and twirling about and doing all that stuff. Again, I, I, people respond differently. Uh, Daniel said that he trembled before the presence of the Lord. There, there are responses that we see when the finite God, uh, excuse me, the infinite God touches a finite person. That's not what I'm talking about. Revival presupposes that life existed. Revival is about living again. In other words, uh, it's about regaining what we once lost. And, and I think the church, particularly in the West, has gotten confused because it seems like we think revival is emotionalism. Listen, you can get all emotional that you want to, and you can still be down in the mullet grubs. You can get all emotional if you want to, and you can still be battling with life, uh, life choices and habits and things like that. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when the, when the, the infinite God touches, and all of a sudden things change. That's revival. I, uh, I, you know, I've often said this down through the years, many of you, and that was not one included in my little skit a few months ago, but, but I've often said this, that if there was ever a point in your life when you were closer to God than you are right now, you're a candidate for revival. Amen. 
If there was ever a time in your life when you, when you were walking closer to God than you are right now, then you are a candidate for revival. Again, it presupposes that life was there and it means to live again. Now, this generation, and I believe this, in fact, while we were singing, I don't mean to pick on Hadley over here, but I heard her singing those songs and it blessed me because there's a generation that's being raised right now uh, that, that, that they've grown up and, and they're tired of stories of how it used to be. Now, I'm not, please don't un- misunderstand what I'm saying. These stories are inspirational. I love hearing stories about people who have walked a path of faith for a long time and they've seen incredible things of God. But there's a generation that's being raised right now that they're, they're, they're tired. They want more than that. These are inspirational stories, but they're memories. They're memories of what God used to do. There's a generation today that's hungry for God to be active today and to do something today. People today want a fresh anointing, a fresh move of God that's going to shake up status quo. I believe that we have children and young people. I love seeing our BT kids in worship and how many, you've got several kids over there that when they begin to worship God, tears start streaming down their face. I'm telling you, that's genuine right there. That's what we're talking about this morning. Something that connects with the lostness of man. There's something that's got to change and something that needs to happen. And I, I'm excited to see kids today that are, are, are catching vision of God changing their schools. You know, we don't have to elect another school board. We don't have to get another superintendent. All we need is our children to be grounded in, with a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit. Listen, they can outlaw all they want to, but when you've got a, an army of the Lord's army that march into a dark place like that, there really isn't a devil around that can do anything about that. Amen? Amen? Amen. I, I'm excited what I see in some of our... I was reading just, just the other day, I haven't read the full story, but in Auburn University, of all places... Um, <laughs> No, I'm just joking. Auburn University, they had several thousand people, students, baptized in a lake just recently. There's something happening. And again, I rejoice in the good old days. And in my 30 years here, we've seen some incredible things of God. But I'm telling you, those are stories. And we've got a generation that say, hey, we want our story. You know, I've got two granddaughters or three granddaughters. And, 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 and I, I, I want to see something happen. I don't want them to have stories of what Papa talked about or what Mom and Dad talked about. I want, to, I want them to experience for themselves the freshness of a walk with the Holy Spirit that changes and alters their lives. It's a sad commentary that we live in a time in Western culture when churches are surprised when God moves in our services. It's a sad day. It's like the church kind of shifted into autopilot and much of what's being done in, in Christendom and Western culture today is being done without the consideration of the enablement of the Holy Spirit. We've gone to school. We've learned, how, we've learned the methodologies. We, we've learned how to lead people. We've learned how to disciple people. We've learned how to do this and learn how to do that. What we've not learned how to do is to lead them into the presence of the Lord where the Holy Spirit is poured out upon them and they change. Listen, we, drive, we do way too much by muscle what God has ordained to be done by miracle. There's something that needs to change. I realize today many have dismissed the activity of the Holy Spirit because we are more intellectual and we're more advanced. Well, I submit to you this morning that the lack of fire in most churches today is not because we're too advanced, but because we have not tended the fire in our own lives that we've not gotten rid of yesterday's ashes and we've piled on and piled on until there's not a freshness to, our, to the fire of God burning within us. 
You see, the spirit of the age has extinguished the embers of revival. And the question that's often asked is, will the church survive? Will the church survive the darkness of our day when truth has fallen in the streets and equity is absent? I would tell you this morning, yes, absolutely. You see, Jesus said, I'm going to build my church, right? And then what's going to happen? The gates of hell will not prevail. I told the early church service this morning, listen, I don't believe that Jesus is coming back after less than what he left. You look at the early church. When he left the early church, they came out of the upper room with stammering lips, filled with the anointing and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, and they went about, and three, you know, and again, they went about telling everybody. People got saved. People got healed. Prison doors could not hold them. Threats couldn't stop them, and the gospel went out, and thousands and thousands were added, and the Bible said they continued steadfastly. In the apostles' doctrine, and great grace was upon them, and there were signs and there was wonders that were done. It was a formidable church. Today we look at the church and we think the church is so anemic, powerless, not, a, not enough faith to pet, pray away a cold. I'm telling you, that's not what Jesus is coming after. He's coming after a bride that's not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because they know it's the power of God and the salvation. He's coming back after a bride that has one foot on the nap of the devil's neck that's singing victory in Jesus. That's what he's coming after. That's what he's coming after. We need that in our generation. In my text, you, I, I love this story, and I've got to get with it because I've, I've got to preach on me this morning. Israel had been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. Again, I feel like the church has been wandering in that same wilderness for 40 years. Amen. Again, I'm talking about the universal body. I believe we've been wandering in the wilderness. We've had sparks of revival, and we had sparks of moves of God, and it's been enjoyable and wonderful. But, but listen, we today in the Western church are in a dry and thirsty place. Peter and John in Acts chapter 3, one of my favorite stories, are going to church that day, and I often picture in my mind, you know, we've only had one occasion or two occasions in my tenure here as a pastor uh, I remember a couple people driving up to the church uh, on two occasions and people sitting outside the door of the church because they, they, they were in dire straits and they turned to the church for help and we were able to help them. I'm saying Peter and John are on their way to church and you know the story well. The Bible said there's a, there's a beggar who's there begging alms and, and I love what Peter and John, Peter looks at him and he says, <laughs> he said, look man, I think he did this. Silver and gold, we don't have. Don't have any of that stuff. But what we do have, we'll give to you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, rise and walk. And the Bible said when he said that, strength came into that man's legs. He stood up walking and leaping and doing what? And praising God. See, today, it's a sad commentary. Today, and I'm not picking on anybody at all. Please understand that. But today, we have, we have ministries that have multi-million dollar jets. We have ministries that have TV production studios, multi-million dollar publishing companies, uh, con uh, massive campuses. In fact, I, I saw, a, not long ago, uh, just, just within the last week, I saw a national ministry on TV, and the guy was bragging about having the largest house in the entire state. He was happy. He said, I ain't a pauper. I'm not living in a shack. He said, I got the biggest house in all of the state. 40,000 plus square feet. Here's the problem. Today we have ministries that boast of their wealth. 
So, so when you look at modern ministry, it's we, the silver and the gold are abundant. But we've lost the ability to say in the name of Jesus, rise and walk. We fly, I, I don't want to jump on that bandwagon. But today we boast about what we have and we can't see what we lack. Something has to change. We can't keep wandering in the wilderness of spiritual emptiness. We have to confront the complacency of the day and ask God to restore and renew and refresh us in the Holy Spirit. We have to ask God for a fresh outpouring today. When was the last time you experienced the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the freshness wash over you? Again, as I was saying on Thursday when we were distributing the food out there, I, I took that I took that that uh, poncho off and I stood out in that rain and you know what it was refreshing for two months it's been 150 degrees I've been hot (laughs) I was dry and I was parched had a layer of dust built up on me and I wanted something fresh and I stood out in that rain and it poured down on me and I was refreshed When was the last time we were overwhelmed with the presence of the Lord? I fear that we become too insensitive to the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. We watch the clock because we don't want to miss kickoff at noontime. So we can't come to church if there's a noon kickoff. I know I'm meddling now. And see, until we get to that place where the Holy Spirit outpouring is more important than who wins a ball game. And I'm a football fanatic. I love football. I love watching football. But I'm telling you that what we need in our generation is not giving way to football and schedules like that. What we need are people who are hungry that are willing to tarry until the Lord comes and does something new among us. I'm not saying don't enjoy sports. I'm not saying any of that stuff. I'm saying what do you love more? I look at our young people and our young people need to know. Mom and dad, they need to know that we, we value and believe in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. When was the last time that you experienced that? In our text this morning, it's about a change. It's about a change. When Abram left Ur of the Chaldees, he had nothing more than the Word of God to hang on to. And now his descendants are standing at the threshold of the promise. Do you know that there have been people that have walked and forged the path that you and I now occupy? We are at the threshold I believe, of one of the greatest moves of God as, as time winds down. Listen, the Bible says the Spirit of God will not always tarry with man. There's coming a day, and, and, and it may be very, very soon. Andre Crouch used to sing that song, Soon and Very Soon, We're Going to See the King. Listen, there's coming a day pretty soon, I really believe, that, what, that we can't do what we're supposed to do anymore. There's a, there, the night's coming when, when no man is going to be able to work. The day's right now, we've got to work. We're standing on the threshold of great promises of what God wants to do through the church under the capable leadership of Moses. They, they transitioned from a life of slavery to free men. And now 40 years of judgment has passed and that generation has passed off and now they're standing at the brink ready to possess their possession. But in order for them to do that, listen, friend, they, they needed to be strong and courageous. And I'm saying what you and I need to do in, in modern terms is we need to be strong and courageous about what God's going to do. Please understand that the move of God that's happening now, it's not, it's not coming. There's, God is doing stuff now. It's going to be different than anything we've ever experienced before. 
Again, I'm not talking fanaticism in the, in the way that you might imagine it. I'm not talking about emotionalism. I'm talking about God's going to take bad men and make them good. God's going to reach down to the guttermost and uttermost and pull people out. That's what I'm talking about. People that the world has given up on. People that have been rejected and ostracized and cast out. God's going to reach them and do something with them in this generation. I mean, they, they, these people, as they stand on the brink of, the, of, of possessing the promise, they, they've got to trust God the same way that their father Abraham trusted God when he said, pack up and go to a land that I'll show you. They've got to be willing to step out in faith just like Abraham had done. They've got to be willing to be prepared to go through the major transitions of their life just like Abraham had done and, and leave it all to pursue God for us to experience the fresh anointing and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I believe we're going to experience the same challenges that Israel did. Notice the first thing there. It says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land that I'm given to them. Joshua had been a loyal and faithful apprentice to Moses. When Moses passed on, he, Joshua was anointed and appointed to succeed him by God. This generation had only, had only known and, and again, this, this is where we are today. This generation had only known nomadic living. They'd wandered in the wilderness. For, remember, their parents were the ones that rebelled at Kadesh. And God said, you know what? Remember, remember what God said? He said, turn these people around. They're not going in there. Because they disobeyed, because they didn't trust God. And so these now have been nomadic people. They have wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. All they knew was pack up their tent, move to a new location. Pack up their tent, move to a new location. But now they're ready to possess their possession. In order for them to do that, they're going to have to trust God because they're about to walk in to places that they've never been before. They're going to new ground, right? They're going to have new ground, new experiences. They're, they're going to have new encounters. Something's going to change. You know, one of the things I love about Bethel, my Bethel family, is the fact that, you know, out here on a Sunday morning, I look around and, and, and people always say, Pastor, what kind of church are y'all? <laughs> Anybody ever been asked that question? What kind of church are y'all? And what they mean is, what denomination are you? And I always say, well, on a typical Sunday morning, I can look out and I said, we've got some Baptists and some Methodists and some Presbyterians and a few Church of Christ. And I said, you know, maybe even a couple Catholics. And they look at me kind of odd, and I said, you know, the interesting thing is, it's not a handle that we're after. I said, we're looking for people who believe in Jesus. That, that people who believe in Jesus are welcome to come, and if you don't believe in Jesus, you're still welcome to come, because we're going to get you to believe in Jesus. Amen? <laughs> we got a remedy for that. Let me, come and let me tell you about a man. So, so I love that. I love the diversity here. And, and, and the varying backgrounds, change brings opportunities for us to experience fresh things from God. Again, I was mentioning in the early service that, you know, the older I get, the more I like things very rigid, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I, you know, you get up with the same pattern. You get up with the same routine. You don't like that routine to be thrown off. I was, uh, I was telling the trammels earlier that in the, mili in the military, they, I was told that after, within the first three seconds, if you were startled awake, I don't know this to be true, but I was told it, that you were not responsible for what you did in the first three seconds because of the suddenness of being jolted awake. And anyway, I'll, I'll leave it there. But, but change always brings 
There was a point there, and I don't know where it went. That's my sometimers kicking in. Listen, change always brings opportunities uh, for us to experience new things from God. And, and again, a lot of people get nervous when you start talking about new things. Listen, there is no new revelation. Somebody tells you you got a new revelation, that, I'll give you the theological term for that, B-O-L-O-G-N-A. Right? That's, that's it. This baloney. If, 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 it's not, if somebody comes up and says, i got a word from you and it doesn't line up with this, you know what? You throw it away like, like chicken bones. It's not worth anything. It's very, very important we understand that. Listen, I, I can assure you that I'm not into emotionalism or fleshly demonstrations. I've had my fill in my lifetime of people who demonstrate in the, faith, in, in the flesh. It's nauseating, it's sickness, and it, does a bad, it gives a bad reputation to God. What I'm saying is I'm looking for people today. I love the manifest presence of God and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. I'm for radical obedience and a transformed lifestyle of the believer. Again, I'm not denying some of the physical things that happen on occasions when the Spirit of God moves. But we've somehow elevated the experiential emotions to a place that we never should have taken it. Consequently, we've got believers today that are a mile wide and they're an inch deep. The Western church has to change. We can no longer afford to meander through the wilderness of spiritual dryness. But I, again, I want to remind you, contrary to popular opinion, the best days of the church are not behind us. I believe that with every fiber of my being. I, I know what the data says. The data says in the Western church, the numbers continue to spiral downward. There'll be more people today that will attend sporting events than they are in church. But I'm here to tell you the best days of the church are not behind us. He said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Listen, my desire is not for the return to the good old days. My desire is for the fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our day. My desire is to see the altars filled with boys and girls and youth and moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas who will come and tarry until the Lord comes and rains righteousness upon us. That's my heart's desire right there. Again, I, I, I'm not talking about three and four hour services. If the Lord wants us to, I, I'm a David Wilkerson fan. David said it doesn't take God all night. I'm not, I'm not certainly not dismissing tarrying. There are times... You know, I've had times where I've tarried before the Lord. One of, one of the worst experiences that Sheila and I have ever gone through, I went to, uh, I went to church in South, South Grand Prairie before we pastored here. I went to church one night about 10 o'clock, and I laid on that altar and cried until I couldn't cry anymore, probably about four and a half hours later. There are times you tear. You know, when I walked out of there, I was okay. Yeah. I wasn't okay going there. I was burdened. I was in a bad spot, hard things going on. But I met him there. And when I let it all out and I laid on that altar, I knew he heard me and things changed. There are seasons where we need to wait on the Lord. There are seasons where we need to be still and know that he's God. So I'm, not, I'm just simply saying what I'm talking about is where we come into the presence of God and he alters us. He changes us. Is it possible? Is it possible? I, 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 listen, I, I, I know there are a lot of people today who say, well, the church is too far gone. Western culture is too far gone. Is it possible? I'm telling you, absolutely it's possible. I don't think that the Bible would implore us to call out to God in repentance and for revival if it wasn't a possibility. He said, call to me and I'll answer you. 
The psalmist said in Psalm 86, revive us again that we might rejoice in you. It's a possibility. Are the prospects unnerving? Absolutely. See, I think this is why revival hasn't come. Because here's the thing, I want you to hear this. When God rolls back the heavens and he touches us, nothing will ever be the same. What does that mean? Well, it means this. God's presence will expose what is in darkness. I think that's why we're not seeing revival. It's because we don't want the pure light of God to shine on the darkness within. The pet, pen, the pet sins, the hidden sins, those hidden attitudes that we refuse to submit to the, the lordship of Christ. I know, again, I'm meddling. Hey, if the shoe fits, wear it. If not, kick it down the road. It'll fit somebody. We, we don't want to see that. And that's what I'm saying. If you're praying for revival, you've got you've to understand what you're asking for because when God rends the heavens and comes down, he shakes everything that can be shaken. He turns everything every which way but loose. He exposes the secret sins that, that, that we have in our life, those pet sins that we, that we coddle and we take care of and we say it's okay because me and God got this thing going on. You don't have a thing going on. When you have revival, that light's going to penetrate into that darkness. It's going to expose the, the secret sins and the attitudes are going to surface and those wounds are going to open. Listen, I'm telling you that the move of God is wonderfully dangerous, but it's needed. It's needed. Because we got a generation today that think they can, they somehow think the Holy Spirit's God's Monty Hall, and we get a choice. Curtain one, curtain two, curtain three. Let's make a deal. Uh, Monty Hall's dead, I know, but I'm old. <laughs> God's not into making deals. And see, there's a generation coming up that needs a freshness to the Holy Spirit. God knew that it was going to be a frightening assignment. And so Three, time, excuse, three times in nine verses, God tells Joshua, be strong and be courageous. Be strong and be courageous. And you know what? He's saying the same thing to us. Listen, aren't you tired of singing, standing on the promises while everybody sits on the premises? Don't you ever get to that place where you're tired of talking about a gospel that you don't see fleshed out right in front of you? Listen, he said, these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall lay hands. didn't say the preacher would lay hands. He said, in my name they shall lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Amen. We're our marketplace missionaries that, 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 that go to the break room with somebody sick in their office and say, hey, let me pray for you today. Let me pray prayer of faith and believe that God will. Where are those people today that are anointed and appointed by God to go into the various places in the marketplace and be a light that shines in their darkness? How about our students that go to high school and middle school and elementary school? Where are the children today that believe in the power of the Holy Spirit? We need to change. God gave him three things. I've got to hurry up and close. First thing he told him was be strong. Be strong. Notice what he said. Verse 7, only be strong and very courageous. Notice what he said, though, that you may, do, may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you, don't turn from the right, to the right or to the left so that you prosper wherever you go. Now, here's the thing. The call to being courageous and strong had nothing to do with the battles. Please see that. Had nothing to do with the battles. So we, because God already said he was going to fight for them. Didn't he already tell us he was going to fight 
No weapon formed against us will prosper. All that right. God's already given us a word. So the call to be strong and courageous has nothing to do with the battles that they would fight when they got into the, in the promised land. You know what it was a call to? It was a call to them regarding the covenant that God had given to Moses, right? So basically what God was saying uh, to them, to Joshua, was like, look, don't be wishy-washy. When you get into that promised land and when you live in houses that you didn't build and you reap from vineyards that you didn't plant and you enjoy the bounty of the land, don't you get wishy-washy in your commitment. Don't you go off half-cocked on, do- on doctrine of the Bible. Be strong and courageous. Be strong in a world that's going to turn against you because you say, I believe in Jesus. Be strong and courageous to stand in the public arena and say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Be strong and courageous in those moments. That's what he's telling him. Listen, when you and I walk in covenant relationship with God, when his word is our guide and we make intelligent decisions, that has a positive outcome in our lives. How many of you today, today would say that your life is better than it was before you accepted Jesus? Anybody? Yeah, I, I think most everybody here. There's a difference. I'm telling you it works. David said, your word is a lamp unto my feet, is a light unto my path. This book provides clarity and direction, and when we follow it, it leads us to success. Second thing, I'm hurrying is stay focused. Stay focused. The book of the law, verse 8 says, the book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night. You shall observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then, notice what he said, when you do what's written in it, then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. There it is. See, we get get the, the cart ahead of the horse. We want the bounty. We want the goodness. We want the the, the success and the prosperity. He said, get the obedience right first. Right? Get the, get the obedience right. I, I love the word in Hebrew, uh, the, the word good success, prosperous, in Hebrew simply means to push through. That's where we get our word breakthrough. So, so tie it together. You see what he's saying? For you to experience your breakthrough, you got to live in obedience. Don't get wishy-washy on this thing. Don't, don't chase after doctrines of demons. Don't be wishy-washy. If you'll, if you'll commit to it, this right here, live by it, you'll find good success. You'll have your breakthrough. Our breakthroughs come when we walk in obedience and remain focused on God. I mentioned this a couple weeks ago that many Western believers see God as an option rather than a priority. And we wonder why we have sick people that come to church and they leave sick. It's not, I understand, I'm, I'm not here to debate how God heals some and he doesn't heal some. I, I'm just here to tell you that I believe that I believe every word of this book. I even believe where the cover says imitation leather. I believe it. I believe that when we pray for people, they, that God responds and there's something that takes place. It's not my job to manifest an answer. My job is to pray in faith and believe and let God take care of it. Listen, we got too many people that want to dial him up like 911 and then they get mad when he doesn't hop to their beckoning call. God hasn't changed. If we want the abundant life that Jesus tells us about in John 10 10, we got to, obedience has got to be a part of it. We got to stay focused. Again, I'm not talking about two, three hour services. 
I, I'm simply talking all by, by the way, which is shorter than a ball game. I'm talking about things change when we decide that Jesus, that it's only Jesus. That it's only Jesus. Amen. Giving up our agendas and our plans for his plans and his purposes. Lastly is this, trust, in, trust uh, his presence. I don't know about you, but there's some times I've come in here with heavy burden. Sheila and I have walked, and again, we're not men of, I, I know the people here have walked through a lot of difficult things as we have. But for the last 12 years with, with, with my wife, it's been tough. I, I try to be very personal and I try to be very open and share. I struggle like everybody struggles. I hurt, I question, I do all those things. But here's one thing that I know for sure. When I get into his presence, there's a weight that's lifted. There's a burden that's taken away. Amen. There's a joy in his presence. There, there's something about it. That's why he said in verse 9, he said, be strong and of good courage. And then he adds this, do not be afraid or dismayed for the Lord your God is with you. What? Wherever you go, wherever you go. I just want to say this. Guys, come on back as I wrap this up. Let's defy the odds. Think, think, let's defy the odds and let's give place to the Holy Spirit. Because I have no idea. Every Sunday I always expect a crowd larger than what shows up. <laughs> I have no idea who's going to show up. I have no idea what burden they're bringing into the service. I have no idea what the weight is upon their shoulders. But God does. And if I come in and I've got everything just laid out such, you know, I've got three points in a poem and we're going to do this and we're going to sing this reprieve and refrain 300 times and we're just going to... That's not what we're after. I'm saying let's give place to the Holy Spirit. Let's allow the Holy Spirit to move. Let's commit to a life of obedience and bold evangelism. Our, our theme remains each one breathe one. Can you imagine what would happen if everybody just in one year decided to bring one person, reach one person? Again, I'm not just talking about church growth. I'm, I'm talking about labors for the kingdom. Can you imagine getting people plugged into ministry? What can change in the community? Again, get the church right. You get the world right. So let me ask you as I close, do you find yourself right now in a spiritual wilderness? Again, we all go through them. We all have those times where we're spiritually dry. You wonder if you can ever walk in that relationship with God like you had in the past. I'll say something to our students today. How about, how about our students? How about our high school students, middle school students? Have you, uh, ha are, are you seeking a freshness to, the, to your walk with God? I'm telling you, he's ready. There's nothing that he has to do on his part. He, he started, in fact, Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and he said, this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. He said, the last days, the spirit of God's being poured out. We're still part of that. If you're a student and you want the freshness, and I'm telling you, don't just ask God to fill you up. Church, as wonderful as things have been, there are new mountains to climb, there are new rivers to cross. There are more giants to slay and there are more promises to possess. If you've reached your saturation point with the status quo, if you're tired of empty hearts and faithless faith, a change is needed. A change is needed. And I think we just come to God and say, here I am. I don't have much. Sometimes it's only a hallelujah, but I... Here I am. Fill me up, Lord.
Do you want to be in on what God's doing today? Listen, I don't don't want to get to heaven and find out. Listen, don't, don't measure the activity of the Holy Spirit by what's going on in Western culture. Because it's a dry and thirsty land. And I, not totality, not, not at all. But God's moving around the world right now. There are people that are having visions of Jesus and they're getting saved. There are Muslims that have been taught that, 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 are, that are having visions of Jesus and they're being converted at the risk of their own life. They're Buddhists and they're Hindus. They're communists that are experiencing a move of the Holy Spirit, do it here. Do it here. That's risky, unnerving, but we need a freshness. Won't you stand with me this morning? What we need is for the fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit. You know, it, if you get a fire and, and, and if you've ever camped and you see that fire go out and you look at that pile of ashes and that pile of ashes looks like the debris of yesterday's fire. You know what I'm talking about? It looks like it's consumed and there's nothing to it. Have you ever gone up to that little fire that you burned yesterday and again all the ashes piled there and again it looks like it's not doing anything. There's no smoke rising. There's no heat emanating from it. But then you go down there and you go and you blow across it and all of a sudden you see the red hot ember light up. You see there's a lot of believers today that God's not looking for a lot. Maybe, maybe you just live life to the point where that fire is diminished greatly and maybe all you have is one ember. When I was in survival school in the military, they taught us how to take one ember, one ember that's alive, one ember that's glowing with fire and you can wrap that thing in such a way and you can carry it with you great distances and then when you get to that final place where you, you're going to camp for what civilian understanding, camp. <laughs> they taught you how to unpack that thing and here's what they did. You, you held it in your hand. You got that one ember. And you go. And all of a sudden that thing just burst into flame. And you, you sit it under that fire, the, the preparation that you've done. And it just, that kindling. And it just comes alive. See, see that's where we are. That's where the Western church is. We, we've, we've had the ashes of yesterday's move piled and piled and piled. And we look at it and we see an anemic and sick church doesn't have enough faith to blow our nose. But you separate all those ashes of the past moves and there's an ember there. And what we're praying for is for God to scoop that up and with the pneuma of the Holy Spirit, the wind of the Spirit of God, to blow like He did upon the face of the deep. And watch what seemed to be dead, what seemed to be powerless, what seemed to be anemic, watch it burst into flame and come alive again and radiate in a dark world. That's what the world needs. And church, I'm here to say I want what God has today. 
I don't understand all of it. I don't understand what he wants to do. I know that God is working today. He's pouring out his spirit. I don't want to be left out of what he's doing in America. I believe that God's doing it. Yes, we're corrupt, and yes, we're evil, and yes, it's dark. But I'm telling you, he said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell. I'm going to blow fresh upon it, and the embers are going to flame up again and glow in a dark and lost world. I'm just going to close this way. If you're here today and say, you know what, Pastor, I need God. I want God to blow with the pneuma of the Spirit. I want Him to blow upon those embers. Again, I'm not talking, I'm not talking emotionalism. I'm not talking run and shout and twirling about because you can do all that and still be a devil. I, 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 I'm just talking about saying, God, I'm sorry. I've I, I, I put other things in front of you. I've let other things occupy the place that only you can. And I'm sorry, I'm ready. Do it again. See, I got grandchildren, and we've got kids here in the church. I want Hadley to experience all that God has for her. All these youth that are here, I want them to experience not stories of what God used to do. I want them to have their stories so that when that professor challenges them, they can say, like the woman at the well, hey, come see a man. Let me tell you about my Jesus. They need that. But if all we have are memories, it's not enough. It's not enough. So when they sing this morning, if you're here today, say, Pastor, you know what? I just I, That's my prayer. God, blow up on me with the wind of the Spirit. Flame up. Flame up. That's which is within. Listen, he said, when you do that, then you have good success. And wherever you go, you'll prosper. That's it. Get this right. This will be right. Go ahead. You've been down long enough. That's your desire this morning. Come on. Come on, Lord. Here it is. That he loves you. Isn't something you can change? You've been running in circles, but you can't hide from grace. Cause the way that He loves you isn't something you can change. Just like Lazarus out of that grave, God rewrites history. Jesus, you change everything. When you pour your spirit out, just like Silas singing with Paul, things can break down prison walls. Jesus, you can have it all. Won't you pour your spirit out? Pour your spirit out. Pour your spirit out. You can rest in His presence, you can trust in His name, cause His burden is easy, and He's perfect in His ways. You can run to the Father, there's no reason to wait, cause His arms have been open, and that's not something you can change. Just like Lazarus out of that grave, God rewrites history. You change everything when you pour your spirit out. 
singing that, but I, I felt the Lord impress on me. There's somebody here, listen, you'll never, get to, you'll never get to first base if you don't let go of the grudge that you have. You, you, you will pray, and you will pray, and you will pray, but until you release that offender, you'll never get to where you want to be. And I'm, I'm, I'm just, I want to be obedient to what the Lord has laid on my heart. If you're here today, and you've been offended, if I've done it, I'm sorry. But whoever, if you walk, if you walk in offense, I want you to come and lay it on the altar. Just symbolically, just give it up and be healed and walk in that freedom. While they sing that again, I want you to come this morning. I, I just out of obedience. Listen, you'll 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 talk about it. You'll 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 wonder why you're in the wilderness. Listen. You won't go anywhere if you don't get rid of that junk. Come on, let God clean it out. Start fresh today. Say, Lord, I release them. They may never ask you for forgiveness. They may never come to you and admit they're wrong. It's okay. You release them anyway, and you bless them and not curse them, and you receive what God has for you this morning.
Because the way that he loves isn't something you can change. You've been running in circles, but you can't hide from grace. Because the way that he loves you isn't something you can change. Just like Lazarus.
let that be your hunger again I, I I caution about the you know what you see on TV that's not representative of what God wants to do I'm not knocking all those ministries I'm just saying desire the pure word desire the pure God Holy Spirit let him guide us church we need a change Western church needs a change God, let it start now with us. If your embers just submit it to Him and let Him blow, it'll 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 flame it'll fan into flame once again. Father, today I love you so much. And Father, I thank you that you still are striving with man. You still we still have opportunity to experience and to enjoy that abundant life that Jesus purchased for us at Calvary. Father, help us to walk in obedience to your word, Lord. It serves as a lamp and a guide. And when we walk in that covenant relationship, Lord, you said we find success and prosper in whatever we do. Lord, help us to understand that what you're wanting to do in this generation in Western culture, it will not come without obedience and devotion. If we want to see our marriages stronger, may we be devoted as couples. If we want to see our family stronger, may we be devoted as families. Lord, may we as believers be devoted so that you can shine through us in this dark world. May we understand that darkness cannot comprehend the light. So let us be bold and be courageous, strong and courageous. For you are with us wherever we go. Lord, take us out of here today 
walking in that victory that you've given to us. Lord, it's not, it's not something that you're going to do. You have already accomplished. And we're not fighting from a position of a victim, but from a victor through Christ. So, Father, may we walk in that power and that grace. Give us a great day, a great week, should you tarry. May we walk with that awareness every day. May we shine light wherever we go. May we be the empowered, emboldened marketplace missionary that changes the culture wherever we go. I love and bless each one now in the mighty name of Jesus. And we all said, amen. Love you very much. Thank you for being with us online. I'll see you next week. God bless you.